Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of With Love Alexa. I uh, just want to start off by saying thank you guys so much for all the support, and I, I just love you all. And today I'm talking with a good friend and coworker, Cole Seeger. Um, we're going to be talking about his life growing up, his recovery from addiction, and his progress in the film industry. Hi, Cole. How are you? Hey, Alexa. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing I'm great. Good. I'm excited. So am I. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Me too, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah. Um, Want to maybe just start, like, what you were like growing up, what life was like in West Bloomfield? Uh, sure. Um, so I grew up in... Uh, technically, it's West Bloomfield, but technically it's something called uh, Orchard Lake, which is a little um, collection of suburbs that sandwich between... West Bloomfield, Kego Harbor, and Commerce. The reason why nobody knows about it is because <laughs> it's literally just a big collection of suburbs. There's the. It was a nice place to grow up, but there's not much to do there. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, but uh, my my childhood was really nice. Um, both my parents were incredibly loving and supporting of me. Um, my dad, he's um. Uh, at the time, he was taking a sabbatical from his musical career, so he got to be a stay-at-home dad. Oh, um, that's so fun! And about time to me and my sister. That was really nice growing up. Um, in school, for most of it, I was the weirdo loner kid or whatever because I just had such a active imagination, and I just didn't really know how to be myself for a lot of my uh, a lot of my um, early years of my adolescence. Um, it wasn't until I really later like um after i became an adult that i think i really started discovering myself and who i was and it's me too yeah <laughs> uh, i've always said that like um maturity it's the moment you really start maturing is the moment you you find out who you really are and you stop pretending to be something you're not yeah yeah but uh there were some there were some bumps along the road besides the social anxiety I ended up having um, uh, some problems with uh, substance abuse uh, for a couple of years uh, first it was with pot and um, that basically went from when I was 17 till when I was uh, 20 I believe Okay. and um, uh, it was bad I was not in a good frame of mind and it took my parents putting their foot down and uh, putting me into an outpatient program. Um, but it was it was hard, but I got through it. The problem was is that shortly after that, when I turned 21, uh, I kind of replaced that addiction with alcohol. Yeah. And that continued on for even longer. And I think it was around when I turned, I think it was 24 when I realized I had to get clean from that also. Uh, but that time, I was the one who made the decision to get clean instead of having it being made for me by my and parents. And that's probably one of the best ways to do it is because, like, once you finally feel it, no. Yeah. Well, it's it's a different story when you're the one who realizes you have a problem instead of someone else, uh, like, imposing it on you, like my parents did. Right. And I think when you realize that you're the that you have a problem, I think it will help to stay yeah like clean well that's the that's the problem with a lot of addicts is the reason why they can't get clean is the they won't even admit that they have a problem to begin with right and for a long time that was my problem because i didn't want to admit that i had a drinking problem or um, or a problem with any kind of substance because 
Well, if I admitted that I had a problem, then I'd need to start worrying about it and solve it. But if I didn't admit that I had a problem, then the problem didn't exist. Right. Um, and what they told us in rehab is acknowledging that you have a problem, that's your 50. If once you do that, you're 50% there to being clean. But um, with alcohol in particular, I think I really, really lucked out because I. Uh, last month celebrated four years of sobriety. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I have not had a single relapse in that entire time. And surprisingly enough, I've never actually like felt the urge to That's relapse good. at all. Um, I think a lot of that is due to a couple of reasons. One is that there are two um, uh, may, what I've what I've read in uh, the literature says there are two uh, major causes of relapses are uh, stress and the lack of a support group, yeah. which is just people around you who know your situation and know how to um, keep you honest and keep you clean. Because the problem with a lot of addicts is they grow up in families that don't really understand mm -hmm. what they're going for. There's a problem in the United States in particular where addiction is seen as some kind of moral failing yeah rather than the fact that like there's the there's the whole debate is like is addiction a choice is it a disease or whatever to me that's just semantics because no one ever chooses to be an addict no one no. ever no one ever wakes up in the morning and just and decide and just decides they want to become psychologically addicted to some kind of substance but the the only way to treat addiction is to treat it like it's a disease because it alters your brain chemistry. It alters your, the way you think, the way you look at the world around you. Yeah. And there's no way, like, you need willpower. You need to know that you have a problem and you need to have the the drive and the confidence to, yeah. to get rid of it. But you need other people also to keep you accountable and for just to have someone to talk to when you're not in a good place. Um, and uh, I had... A really good circle of friends and a really good family to back me up in that regard. The other thing I think is that I just quit at a very good time in my life because mm -hmm. uh, I've, uh, from what I've seen, from what I've experienced, the older you, like the longer your addiction goes on mm -hmm. and the older you get, the harder it is to break out of it because as you become older, He's also probably doing it a lot longer at that point. Yeah, there's that. And there's also the fact that as you become older, your personality and your habits, they become more set in stone. Yeah. And, you're, and you're less open or less malleable to changes in your lifestyle and your behavior. And I think they say, too, like your brain continues to grow until like 25 or something. Something like that, Some, yeah. So you're technically we're doing it and your brain was still growing. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of thing probably helped too because your your habits changed then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the really proudest moment of recovery though for me wasn't my own sobriety. It's the fact that I've actually helped a couple of people I know realize that they had problems and help them make changes in their lives more than just recently That's incredible yeah well i had a, a really really good sponsor a person who you know has also gone through the program has also gone through recovery and helps keep me honest helps advise me on things and i and i want to make sure that i can be that to other people too yeah i was gonna ask do you want to be like a sponsor like do you think uh or it's just not kind of like a 
it's not some it's not something I want to do for a living or some or right. something that I want to do regularly. Um, because like with my own because my journey through recovery has been very unconventional. Like at the beginning, I thought I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to like AA meetings and all that, and I tried going to AA meetings, and I couldn't freaking stand it. Um, it's not for everybody. Well, one, it's it's because the the language in there is very very religious in nature, and I'm not a religious person in the slightest. <laughs> the second thing is that I get what they're trying to be, and when a uh, when an AA meeting when a recovery group is good it's a very nice support group for yeah. you but a lot of times when you walk into those things you feel like you're walking into a cult or something where it's just like very dogmatic very by the book everything has to conform to yeah. this way of thinking and it it's I I consider myself like a free thinker or whatever and that just doesn't gel with me and the third thing is and this is this shouldn't read like I'm looking down on them or whatever. No. But when you're in those meetings, you just hear so much like awful stuff that people go through, yeah. like the, the living conditions they're in, the, the the depths to which their lives have sunk. And I have a very strong sense of empathy, and it just kind of makes me feel worse. And yeah. it reminds me of the dark place I used to be. And I don't like being reminded of that because where I am now and the peace of mind I have now, it's more than enough to keep me sober. It's it's yeah. not it's not like I stay sober because thing is like if I uh, start drinking again, I'm going to end up like dying and drinking myself. To it's like, no, if I stay sober, then I can keep I can keep up the momentum and keep up the progress that I've made over the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all about, I think, like reaction and thinking and how you're. Yeah, yeah. It just it required a real uh, paradigm shift for me, just in how I viewed myself and how I viewed where I wanted to go with my life. So speaking of where you want to go with your life, you're in like the film industry or like doing wanted to be, want to be. Well, uh, <laughs> um, after I. Um, Shortly after I stopped drinking, I uh, I attended a year-long program at the uh, Motion Picture Institute of Michigan, or MPI. That's cool. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a trade school. It's um, you, you get a lot of hands-on experience. You get like you're you're holding a film camera literally within the first like month that you're there. Um, so it's really in depth, and it learned a lot. I've learned all. I've also learned a lot since I graduated from there. But yeah. there, that was when I finally realized that like this is this is my passion. This is what I want to commit my life to. Um, which is funny because um, for most of my life, I never intended to be a <laughs> filmmaker. For most of my life, I just wanted to be. In general, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to okay. write like novels i wanted to be an author maybe write scripts here and there and i did write a script for a friend of mine who um used it for her thesis film and uh it turned out okay but it wasn't <laughs> what i wanted yeah but being but that project exposed me and got me in contact with a lot of people in the film industry in this area and that's what kind of sparked my interest in directing and filmmaking um, I mainly write um, 
I write and direct. I write m- most of my own scripts. I've collaborated with people on some of them. Um, I've directed four short films so far, three of which were for my um, the the program at MPI. Okay. My third one I actually wrote about my experiences with getting clean uh, from uh, drug abuse. And it won uh, Best Short Film Screenplay at graduation. Wow. Yeah. I never released it publicly, though, because it's it's one of those things that I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I accomplished it. But it's not something that I'd want to enter into festivals or something. Because yeah. it, it was still very early on in my growth as a filmmaker. And there's a lot of things that I, knowing what I know now, I would have done very differently. Could you go back, kind of, and maybe like rewrite it, like to how you would want? Um, I could, but on the other hand, the subject material in there, it, it like making it, uh, kind of like got to me a couple of points, yeah. and, and it's something that, like, right after that, there were there were, after that, I was like, okay, I'm proud of what I accomplished here. I'm going to direct something fun next. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the next thing I directed after that was um, a sci-fi horror comedy called The 404 Diner. Uh, kind of Twilight Zone-esque meets Black Mirror, okay. sort of. Uh, and that was a ton of fun. I, did, I am super proud of that achievement. Was that in school or was that after? That was my first project after I graduated from school. Did you put that out publicly? Or? Yes. Uh, it's not out publicly. It's in the festival circuits right now, the film festival circuits. Oh, it's like like now. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been <gasps> oh. in like, it's been in six different festivals. It's won three awards. That's two, incredible. Two for best horror short film and <laughs> one for best editing. That's so cool. Yeah. And we're going to a uh, seventh uh, in March. It's the, uh, the Queen's World Film Festival in Queens, New York, and film festivals in New York are the best. Really, that's yeah. so cool. Well, it, it's just you get like yeah. New York and LA. Yeah. Everybody there is super passionate about film, so they're a little bit more lively. They usually have a bit more money behind yeah. them. Like this one, the Queens World, it's probably the biggest one I've gotten into so far because it runs for like ten days straight. Really? Yeah. The other ones usually it only runs for like three or four days. Have you tried, um, thought about Sundance? Uh, we submitted to Sundance, but we didn't get in. Oh. Um, no, we, we didn't submit to Sundance. We submitted to what's called Slamdance. Okay. Because um, in the 80s, um, everyone uh, was getting really, really sick of Sundance because it was seen oh. as being very commercialized. That everything that was getting in there, everything that was getting the awards, they just happened to be the films with, with people that happened to donate a lot of money to the festival to keep it running. Oh, okay. And so they created Slam Dance, which is supposed to be like this this indie punk offbeat kind of film festival. But now everyone is saying the same things about Slam Dance that they said about Sundance before. So it's Is Sundance still Oh, it's still around. No, I, no, I know Sundance is. I meant is like Sundance kind of um still considered commercial or is it yeah, gotten better it's 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 still it's everything i think all the festivals i think the longer they run the more commercial and the bigger they get the more yeah. commercial they become i mean that's not to say that they still they still screen amazing films there yeah um and like at cons for example some of the i literally 
look at what wins the awards there, and it's usually some of the best films I've ever seen. Really? Out of there. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I'm happy, really, really happy with how Four Four Diners done in the circuit so far. We've got four more festivals to hear back from, and then in September, we'll be um, posting it publicly because okay. um, by that point it'll have been in the circuit for about a year, and the 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 longest a film usually lasts in the festival circuit is about eighteen months, so a year and a half. And the, the and but the thing is, is that keeping it in the festival circuit is expensive, because you because yeah. like your average festival cost me about twenty dollars to submit to, but depending on like how close to the due date you are, right? That price it goes up. Yeah, yeah it, like um, one of them, I think it was one of the ones that we got into is like one hundred twenty bucks to submit to it. And then once it, you, let's say you get in. Do you still have to pay more, or is it... No, no. Uh, if you want to bring people, uh, sometimes they'll charge you for tickets. Okay. Um, but usually, if you're the director or whatever, they'll give you a ticket for free. And is, have you only done ones in Michigan, or have you done... No, I've uh, I've gone to... Um, the first one was in, o- in Ohio, okay. in a little uh, town outside of uh, Columbus. Um, there's one in Michigan called Thriller Chiller. That was very, very small. Yeah. Uh, it was me, like literally me and my actor and my actress friends were the only people in the in the, the in the theater watching it. Because oh. some because a lot of the times at the festivals they'll have multiple screening rooms. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe it was on an off year or something. But I've gone to ones in uh, Michigan, ones in Ohio. I've gone to uh, one in New York. Oh, you already went to one in New York. Yeah, yeah. It was called the um, the Cutting Room. Uh, International Film Festival, and that one was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Do yeah. you get to go, like, to, do they fly you in? Or? No, I, I pay for my own. Uh, okay. My own, Just uh, not the actual ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm going to the one in uh, Queens in March, and the other four, I think they're out west, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. So have you gone to all of them? Um, uh, all but one. There was one in Michigan that was just uh, two weeks ago. It was uh, the Lake Michigan Film Competition, and I really wanted to go, <laughs> but that was the weekend that we got completely snowed in with oh. ice storms, and I it had already gotten canceled the week before. It had been moved from the week before because of the snowfall then, but now the roads were just covered in ice, yeah. and I'm like, I'm, I'm not risking it. No, it's not worth it. No. But, uh, yeah, I'm really, really satisfied with how it's done so far. And right now, I'm working on the script for my next film. Okay, I was going to ask you if you had any new projects or anything coming. Yeah, so I, I talked about this with Gerald on his show, but I might give a little bit more info now. It's called the <laughs> uh, it's called Paths Not Taken. It's, uh, it's a character drama. Kind of more in line with my thesis film, actually, carrying the weight, the one about me recovering from addiction, okay. in that it's, it's much more somber, much more um uh serious yeah but it's about these two guys who were um uh really really close friends in uh high school and college names are jay and uh, ted and they wanted to go into acting together and after college jay ends up leaving michigan to go to la to look for work there and ted ends up staying behind because he's gotta get a nine-to-five job take care of his mom um and three years go by, and the film starts 
with Jay calling up Ted and saying, hey, I'm thinking about coming home for a weekend or for a weekend. And this is the first time he's been home in like three in the three years he's been gone. And Jay's like, can I possibly stay at your place? And Ted's like, yeah, sure. We'll we'll meet up. We'll catch on. We'll catch up on everything. It'll be just like old times. And the film takes place over the course of the the weekend they spend together. Okay. And the crux of the story is them slowly realizing that in the three years they've been apart, they've become very, very different people. And they really can't go back to the way things were. And it's 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 a story. I told it to Gerald. It's a story about how people change and how, how people grow apart sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... It's probably the saddest thing I've written so far, and not in a got run over by a car in the street <laughs> kind of sad, but in a very like, sobering, yeah. you can't go home kind of sad. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it. I've got two very, very talented actors for the leads. Cool. One of whom I've I've known since we were in middle school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And thank God they're okay with this because I wrote the roles with them in mind. <gasps> And to a large extent, they're kind of playing themselves. So they were friends, these two, or oh, they're 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 very good friends. They're still on very good terms, but their personalities are very yeah. very similar. Okay. Yeah. So I told him, this is going to be the easiest uh, roles you ever had because I just want you to be yourselves. And it's just the two of them. Uh, or there's gonna have a... the, the mom. The uh, Ted's mom is a character in it too, but beyond that, there's there's not much other characters most no of them romance no no <laughs> only implied <laughs> oh. <laughs> no most of um most of the film is just them kind of just talking and hanging out and it's 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 a chance for me to really really um focus on honing my skills as yeah. a director when it comes to directing actors because oh, okay. it's, it's a very character and performance driven script and i'm really excited to see uh, where it goes. When are you planning on getting started? Uh, that's been a recurring question because <laughs> uh, originally I wanted to shoot in November of last year. Then I was going to move it to January. Then I was going to move it to March. And now because uh, my one of my lead actor, he works at the um, Little Caesars Arena for the Pist- for the uh, Pistons. Okay. And his schedule is loaded right now. So oh. we're going to have to push it all the way to June. Okay. Which, is, which is a shame because I wanted to shoot it in uh, in winter to get that very nice and depressing winter well, backdrop. Well, maybe you'll end up having rain or something. Then it's, maybe, then maybe. It's sobering uh, well, honestly, like with color correction or whatever, there's so much you can yeah. play with the, in the image to make it suit the tone you're going for. So is the script and everything written? Uh, it's written. I'm still not satisfied with it, though. I need, I've been revising it constantly, and lately I've fallen into an awful, awful trap where I'll take a break from writing something and that break just keeps extending. Yeah. And, the pro- and the problem is when you hit a roadblock on a project, especially when it comes to writing it, the longer you go without working on it or getting feedback on it, the worse your opinion of it becomes. And I think you're honestly like, like for me, even when I wrote like my novels, mm. I like I was happy with it and I liked it. But at one point, I'm just like, I just got to do it already. Like, I'm just never going to be. It's never going to be perfect in my eyes. Well, yeah, that's that's the... And that's the thing you have to think about, too. Well, that's the curse of being a creator is you will... Like, if you're... Here's the thing, though. If you're smart, if you're a... If you actually have talent, 
you are constantly asking yourself, is this an actual quality piece of work? Have I done everything yeah. to make this as good as it can be? Because the people who fail, the people who crash and burn, are the people who think that uh, everything they write is gold. Everything they create is gold. <laughs> um, and that you, some of the worst movies ever made, or at least the most enjoyable bad movies ever made, <laughs> have been made because of that complete lack of self-awareness and self-reflection. Yeah. Um, and But sometimes, though being too self-critical it can yeah. it can like it's like you're constantly putting up roadblocks to yourself and if you second guess your yourself too much you will never get anything done because um it's like i said uh don't fall into the when you're writing a novel don't fall into the trap of rewriting the same chapter over and over again yeah because you will spend the rest of your life rewriting that chapter you need to write the entire book and then go back and fix it. Yep, that's what I always did. I wrote, like, a chapter a day. Exactly. And then once I was done, I'd go, like, through and... Yeah. It's hard. You, you gotta you gotta hold yourself accountable. It's, uh... Write, writing isn't uh, a talent or a gift. Writing is a process. Yeah, that's... But, yeah, that's a lot. Anything in the creative field, too, I feel yeah. like. And, it, and really, a lot of people, like, who aren't in the artist world have a very romanticized version yeah. of it. It's like uh, people will compliment me on my scripts, some uh, on the uh, scripts of my film sometimes, and I'm like, "Well, thanks." I had to go through 24 other versions of the script that were woefully inferior to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's uh, it's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone that maybe is starting to want to be in some kind of creative industry but maybe not sure where to go or it's just stuck um well the first thing you here here's a piece of advice that uh i wish more people would talk about especially when you're starting off in the film film industry if you're a director is uh you have to learn to write within limitations both monetary and resources mm -hmm. uh what i've come to find is the main catalyst the the most common catalyst for innovation is limitation it's um the reason like jaws the pro the the shark uh prosthetic in jaws looked terrible when it was on screen mm -hmm. but they edited it in such a way that you didn't see the shark that often but they found the exact frames where it did and it works wonderfully it's it's uh, just learning how to work within limitations. And that is what keeps your mind going, I think. Um, the second thing is uh, be prepared for setbacks. Because yeah. they're going to happen. Because uh, you, can, you can plan out everything, have a contingency for everything, for your heart's content. Uh, something's still going to go wrong. And uh, third, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and when they're talking to you you shut up and listen yes i like that well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story well thank you for having me this and is this is really nice this is a, a really nice experience well thank you i i hope it 
I hope it was. <laughs> I like. Uh. <laughs> uh, brain well, farts. that's been another episode of With Level X. Uh.